Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Curious Investor Podcast. Today we had a very great interview with Jay Helms from W2 Capitalist. Uh, he has some amazing stories and amazing advice to give out to us. Phil, what's something that stood out to you during the interview? I think the main point I took away from it is the story in which um, he was preparing uh, a portfolio in real estate to retire earlier, but something else ended up happening. That something else was he got laid off from his job. And luckily, he was building a portfolio while he was working to help sustain some of his expenses because if he weren't, he'd be underwater. And so it's a great mindset to have that in the back of your mind that you need to build for your future if it is for when you decide to, to take that leap away from work or if a negative circumstance comes up. Yeah, for sure. And uh, something that I took out of the interview was that he really emphasized getting to know your partners. So Jay is specifically involved with, with certain partners and some of the investments that he has and that he spoke about in the interview. And one thing that he uh, that he made sure to to tell us was that get to know your partners personally, get to know them, go out with them before. If you have an opportunity with somebody uh, that you don't know, make sure you get to know them before you go into business with them. And I thought that was something that was very valuable. A lot of people just jump into investments and partnerships without getting to know people and they really get they really get blindsided sometimes so it's really good practice to get to know these people and uh he does elaborate more in the interview so make sure you check it out and uh yeah so right now i'm gonna let jay do the talking so this is jay helms from w2 capitalist enjoy the interview Welcome back to the Curious Investor Podcast. My name is Paulino Marquez, and I'm here with my co-host, Philip Costa. Today, we're very excited to be joined by Jay Helms from W2 Capitalist and dig into his story and how we use real estate as a vehicle to build wealth. Thanks for coming on, Jay. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you, guys. Can I can I very refer to you as the Brazilian Samba Twins? Can I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Call us the Portuguese Samba Twins, and I'd yeah, yeah. It. that'd be a lot I, better. No, I'm gonna send you guys right. that. I'm gonna send you guys that audio file when we get done, just so you oh. know what I came into. You <laughs> <laughs> thought we were playing some Brazilian Samba music to begin this? Uh, <laughs> that's the vibe we're going for here. I that's like how we it. get our guests hyped. That's how. That's how we. That's do it. It. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, um, Jay, could you please give us a little bit of background about yourself? And and, uh, and your journey with money and investing? Yeah. So, uh, you know, raising a journey, you know, when you say money and investing kind of background there, I, I think of the house I grew up in and then to make a long story short, my dad still does not to this day have a credit card. He does not have a checking account. He drives around town once a month to pay all of his bills in cash. So very much of a Dave Ramsey mindset, um, but he probably doesn't know who Dave Ramsey is. Yeah. And so I, that's kind of where I came from. Very middle class. Uh, you know, my dad retired as a, as a fireman. My mom was an office manager, he, you know, um, probably in my thirties, I was making more money than both of them combined just from the, you know, the IT field I was in. And then we started investing in real estate. Um, so that mindset, you know, they, I've, I've been, two years without a job now. And every time I see them, they ask me, when are you going to get a job? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I'm like, well, it's uh, probably not anytime soon. Or, you know, it's like, I have a job. I, I run the W2 capitalist and we invest in real estate. And I'm like, but yeah, but when are you going to go to work? I'm like, exactly. 
what do they say what do they say to that when when they ask you though like that question like what do you like oh it just falls on deaf ears yeah yeah, it's just this and it's it's the mindset right it's what they grew up in it's what they know um you know i'm out here doing all this risky stuff with real estate investing and um you know it's funny the uh the life that that's afforded us so for the last 14 months my family so my wife and our three kids we've been traveling right so we've we've uh, been a nomads for the last 13 14 months and it's all because of real estate investing you know and and kind of how we got started with that um whole our whole journey really began uh kind of a trifecta of events that happened in 2000 2013, 2014, uh, my wife and I, we got married September of 2013. And then, uh, in January of 2014, we realized, uh, or we found out that kid number one was on the way. And then in April of 2014, the company that I was a principal at, I was employee number five. We, we started going through this acquisition. Um, so a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety coming on with those three different events. And the acquisition was kind of straw that broke the camel's back. You know, I was making six figures, but we were living paycheck to paycheck somehow. And I just, it really pushed us to figure out, okay, what do wealthy people do to get wealthy? And it, and it ultimately led us to, you know, the real estate investors Bible, rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. Uh, it, and so, I mean, I was like, how, how has no one ever shared this book with me before? Like how, how did I have to go to Google magic to find this thing out? Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, after uh, is it late October? So our our first child was three weeks old. We closed on our first single family rental property. It was a twenty five thousand dollar purchase. It was a foreclosure, one bedroom, one bath. Uh, we put about nine grand into it. We did all that with a home equity line of credit and credit cards, which I know people say don't do. Um, and uh, Man, that sucker cash flow amazingly from day one when it was ready to go. So we were hooked. Yeah. We were hooked. So uh, from that point on, we were like, how do we do more than that? How, or how how do we do more of that? And for the next five or six years, that was a constant grind. How do we do this? How do we do that? And then in 2020, I got laid off from a job that I was actually really, really enjoying. It's probably the easiest money I've ever made. And, um, you know, we 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 kind of sat around for a couple of days and said, all right, what are we going to do? Excuse me. I sat around for a couple of days. My wife, after five minutes of me getting the phone call said, great, now we can go travel like we've been wanting to do. And I'm like, yeah, let's, <laughs> we, we, hey, let's pump the brake. So, um, <laughs> I, I moped around for about, you know, a few days and then realized, Hey, this is the best kick in the pants I've ever received. Let's go full time on growing the W2 capitalists and, and real estate investing. And it's funny. I, uh, you know, what gets measured gets improved and I've measured our net worth growth for the last, I think it's f- six or seven years and the biggest spikes have come from since when I got laid off. I don't, you know, now a lot of that is timing of the market riding and riding that wave up, but also it's, it's allowing, instead of focusing one to two hours a day on the side hustle grind, focusing eight hours, let's be transparent, 12, 15 hours a day as an entrepreneur, you know, it really, you get to plant a lot more seeds and you get to water those seeds and they get to grow a lot better. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And then when you said that um, you spent your time building uh, W2 Capitalist, can you just elaborate on what that is? 
Yeah, so the W two Capitalist is a is a community for folks who currently have a full time job. Um, you know, it's it's not a it's not a financial freedom kind of movement, but a lot of people move, move that way. Um, matter of fact, we've had last year we had five members of our mastermind uh, put in their final notice. They reached their financial independence number uh, this year. Oh, actually, last week we had employee number or not employee number four, mastermind <laughs> member number four. Uh, you know, announced that. Uh, last Friday was his last day of work and, and some other stuff along with that, uh, he reached the million dollar mark in net worth. And so the W2 capitalist is, is a community of accountability and just, uh, for like-minded investors, people, the reason why I created it, you know, I talked about the, the family situation, right. And, and approaching them about, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go invest in real estate. It never really even crossed my mind to do that. Cause I knew what kind of answer they were going to give me. Right. Like, no, don't do it. You, you know, this is crazy. And the guys that I work with, um, you know, they were traditionally caught up in the 401k and the stocks and everything else that usually goes along with that picture. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Paulino, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to crack under your style, but it, it just, it wasn't doing what we weren't building wealth fast enough. And I think some of that too comes with, um, uh, never being pleased, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and, uh, so I created that community. I started looking for people who, uh, wanted the same things, but maybe didn't have the support group surrounded, you know, that could surround themselves by them and, and growing. Right. And, and there are RIAs, you know, the local RIAs are probably some of the best resources to do that. But when I first started doing this, uh, investing or looking to invest, my wife was, you know, six months pregnant, um, the closest Rio was 45 minutes away. She was having complications kind of early on, or about that time. And I'm not going to go drive to a Rio meeting. Number one, I'm introverted. I don't like being around crowds of people, especially people I don't know. Uh, extremely comfortable behind a keyboard and a mouse, right? Yeah. That's why, yeah. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but you know, so I, I, uh, I was part of a mastermind then, uh, I was learning how to be a better father and a better, you know, soon to be, excuse me, soon to be father, but better husband. And, um, you know, I saw what they were doing virtually and I'm like, why can't I create something like this for aspiring real estate investors? And, you know, so that was, um, uh, several years ago, but it, it, it eventually, it took us some time. We, I wanted to get some experience in underneath our belt. Um, so we, we invested for three, four years before we really started putting together what the W2 capitalist was, was going to look like. And, uh, you know, we've, we've grown like crazy. Uh, we've got 60 active members in there. Uh, we have 20, over 20 virtual calls every month. Um, most of them are niche specific. So if you're in the multifamily, you go to the multifamily call. If you're in the mobile home park investing, you go to the mobile home park call. And those calls are led by people who focus exclusively on those niches, right? So the fix and yeah. flip guy, he just fixes and flips, right? He does some buy and holds, but he primarily does fix and flips. And, you know, we come in there, it, there's people who are a lot more experienced than I am. There are people who are aspiring to do their first deal. And one of the things we have in every session is a Q and a portion, right? What questions do you have for the group? So Philip, I'd ask you, Hey man, what, what questions do you have for the group? You would ask your question and your answers are going to be based off somebody else's experience, 
right? They're not going to come in. One that is the main rule we have in the mastermind is when you ask a question, I've got to answer it based on me going through that exact same scenario or similar scenario. I would never come on there and say, well, I heard this on the curious investor podcast, or I read this on the curious investor block. Now there are times when we do that. It's very rare when, when somebody asks a question and nobody in the masterminds ever went through it. Um, yeah. You know, like, uh, <laughs> um, I, I hate to say this, but we're, we're getting like some of the guys, like, what do you do with it when you find a dead body and you're in one of your units? This has happened on more than one <laughs> more than one occasion, and you're like, I, I never even thought about that. Like, what do you what do you do? Who do you call? You know, and and so you know, there there's it's very rare for us to run across a question or scenario where somebody in the group hasn't already went through it, right? Yeah, that's that's so sick. Like like just having like a, a community that of people with different experiences coming together. And uh, and it's one thing that you were saying about the stock investing that about like I wanted to point out is that like the reason the because like well, I was watching a little bit of your content recently and I was and I was seeing that one of your videos where you were saying that like people are afraid to take the first step and I wanted to ask you why people are afraid to take the first step I think me taking the first step is for sure a very difficult thing stocks is an easy way for to get into investing without having yeah. to really put in as much work up front. But I'm, yeah. I'm starting to realize now, speaking to people like you, that real estate is really something that, if you put in the effort up front, can really pay dividends long term, so, yeah. and and create build and, and allow you to build wealth at a pretty good rate. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think? What do you say about people that are afraid to get started? How deep do you want me to go into this conspiracy theory that I have? Oh, <laughs> do do what you got to do. Well, I mean, so <laughs> let me let me ask you this: When did you first hear about stock investing? What age were you? I mean, um, well, I, uh, hearing about it and actively starting it is something else. So when when I, I heard about it, obviously in high school, because I uh, had a cousin that was very into it. Like when he got into okay. college, he started doing it, and he was a finance major, and he was of course into it all, whatever. But then, yep. but then as I got into college and I started making a little money working on the weekends, I started putting money myself into the stock market, specifically. Uh, into oil like futures or something like that something silly okay something so dumb and something so immature i i've I, now I've, I've overcome that and and use put money into index funds and very valuable assets like or like stocks of very big companies and index funds primarily but yeah college about college what about yeah. real estate investing when did you when did you first hear about the concept and and start pursuing it well it's funny because like the the wealthiest people that i know are people that have real estate assets yeah, like you don't really hear too much about people in my community uh, that are wealthy with stocks. You don't hear you don't hear that too often. Yeah. You, a lot of those people have real estate assets. So it's been my whole life. I've always wanted to do it, uh, but again, it was a lot easier to do stocks than it is to do real estate when you're 20. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and one of the things you know, the reason I've, I've had this conversation quite frequently with some guys who exited the W2 world and, and now full-time entrepreneur, full-time real estate investor. And, you know, here I am two week, two weeks, two years past not getting a W2 paycheck. And I still like stress out about, well, shit, where, where's my security blanket? You know, I, I got to have my security blanket. Yeah. And, um, and, and the reason I ask you that question, kind of what I want to get to. If you think about 
how we're raised, right? And let's start, and it starts very early on. We're all probably, when we were five, six years old, we were taught to get up at a certain hour, go to a place for a cer- at a certain time, sit down at a desk for a certain amount of time. We were told when we could go to, go to eat, right? We were told basically when we could go to the bathroom, we could get a break. And then we were trained to take work home with us, right? So you fast forward 18 years of that, or not really 18 years, 15 years, you're going to graduate high school uh, or 13 years. Well, for me, it's probably 15, but (laughs) for most people, it's probably 13. But you've got 13 years of that indoctrination, right? Where you've got this strict schedule, you're trained to do this one thing, and and, and all along the way, especially since colleges have, you know, probably in the, in the, maybe late eighties, early nineties, it was just everybody the the assumption was you graduate high school, you go to college, right? So now we're going to put you in debt, right? We're going to promise you or give you the idea that you're going to get a job out of, out of, out of college, which didn't really happen for a lot of us, not at least in our field that we, we studied in. And what happens when you get a job? Well, you go to a building that you're told to, right? You get Mm -hmm. to go to lunch when you're told to, and you take work home with you. And all that time, they're talking about uh, what we like to call the golden handcuffs, right? Stocks, uh, stock options, 401k, but you got to invest in it. You got to be here for so long amount of time or you don't, or it gets taken away from the match gets taken away from you. And so I think a lot of people struggle with real estate investing because it's an unknown, Right. And, and if, if, if the three of us would have been like, I'm trying to educate my kids now on, Hey, this is our rental property. And this is what that means. Uh, you know, my son, he's the oldest, he's seven. He's still grasping like the idea that we own this house and somebody pays us rent to stay in it. Mm-hmm. Right. He's like, man, that's, how does that work? You know, I'm like, well, it, I don't know, but we're going to, we're going to, I don't know how to break it down to you. Just, <laughs> we're yeah. going to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so I, I feel like if, if early on, um, if we were all taught the skills that we needed to be real estate investors, then there would be less W2 employees, right? Which means you don't feed into the bigger system. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I feel like I've, I don't know. There's a huge conspiracy theory that I have there and I don't want to, I don't want to alienate any listeners, but I really think that, that the answer to your, to your question is it's a lot of people are skeptical of it because, um, they don't know, they haven't been taught. They don't know how to learn this skill set. And then also for most of us, um, there's a big looming crash that happened in 07, 08 that we think is the norm. Right, that every every decade or so, there's just going to be this dive bomb that happens, and that's just not factual. But that's mm-hmm. what everybody goes to because they've lived through it, right? And they saw some some bankruptcies, they saw some developers and investors lose it all. But that has happened not very frequently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially in the housing market, that's not something like, that was a very specific moment in history, yeah. and and like it's. It did scare a lot of people, especially my parents. That was something that really did scare my parents. And yep. that's why that they are afraid, just like your parents are. And I'm trying yep. to help them. I'm trying to teach them or not t- teach them. They taught me so much. It's hard to say I'm teaching my parents, but and I'm trying to like lean them that way. As I'm learning, I want to teach them like what I learned to them as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. And if you run across any good tips, I, I've, I've kind of accepted that you cannot teach an old, old dog new tricks and, and, um, why it's not a new trick, it's a new trick to them and it's just not happening. <laughs> yeah. It is hard for sure. It yeah. definitely is. Okay. So like, I would like to get back to, um, that moment where you got laid off. Yeah. Um, can we talk about where was your portfolio at? How much were you bringing in? Was that enough to cover your expenses? Like how, like what were the emotions? Like what was going on at that time? We had, uh, we had close to, oh man, I don't know that I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a random number. It's somewhere between, (laughs) it's somewhere between two and 300 units in our portfolio. Now, one of the things that I, I absolutely hate about throwing that number out we didn't own all of those. Like I owned a, like there was two of those, uh, two of the biggest ones, uh, were syndications. There was 109 unit and 178. So it was of those, I, we own like 1% of those. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you mm-hmm. average it out, we had probably, uh, 10 doors between what my wife and I own together and, and plus those, uh, limited partnerships. Um, they were bringing in, man, that's, that's, uh, they were bringing in close to seven grand a month, uh, mm-hmm. just for those. Did it cover our expenses? No, it didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that was, that was the emotional shock. I'd only been fired, uh, one time at a W2 and, and, um, and this was, this was not anything I was expecting. I was running the, I was, the layoff was not anything I was expecting. I was running a sales team. Uh, we were selling remote productivity software in the middle of COVID. We were hitting our quota, uh, exceeding our quota for out of the last six months leading up to the layoffs and, and come to find out what was happening is the, the publicly traded company, they were positioning themselves to, to be sold. Right. So they had, they were making layoffs to make their books look good. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was the best kick in the pants I've ever received. But I, you know, I, I remember talking to my boss, um, uh, who had to make that phone call and, and, uh, I feel for him, man. I, you know, I mean, he, he's, he's making a call to a guy who's got three kids, uh, you know, four, two and, and, and barely born. And he's got to say, Hey man, we gotta let you go. I mean, can you imagine making that phone call? And I know, I know it was uncomfortable for him. And when I figured out what was going on, I made it even more uncomfortable for him just to, just to have fun with him. And, um, but it was, it was, uh, when we hung up, I mean, that cold sweat, you know, just kind of rolled over me like, what in the hell are we going to do? You know? Um, and simply it, it is cause it's never had, I wasn't planning on it. Um, we, and the the kicker of it was I had half my team was laid off as well, right? And so I was the last one to get the phone call or no, I was the first one to get the phone call. And then so he had the opportunity to write to call the other folks. And um, uh, so they start calling my phone. Hey, man, what's going on? What are you going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And I just told him, I said, look, I said, we're doing what we've been doing well with our real estate investing. Um, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to go back to the, I'm not, I'm not going back. I'm not going to go look for a job or anything like that. And, um, uh, but yeah, it was for a few days there, man, I moped around, uh, around the house. Didn't want to talk to anybody really didn't want to interact with the kids. You know, it was like, 
why why am I getting laid off? Like I <laughs> it, and one of the I didn't know this until it happened, but when you're part of a public company, they have to provide you the status of all the employees who stayed and or were laid off at your level, right? So mm-hmm. there's there's some law or or whatever. So I got to see who was staying and who was going. And when I saw that list, like that was just like a twist of the knife. I'm like, I know these people. I I'm in I'm in sales meetings with these people. I my team is way above where they are in every meeting. Why am I being the one, you know, so I, I moped around or really kind of just kicked myself around the house a little bit. And, and um, you know, my, my wife, it really, literally was probably 30 minutes after I got off the phone with my boss and, and then I told her what was going on. She goes, well, uh, I guess we get to travel like we wanted to, you know? And, and I'm like, what are you talking about? We just had like six figures disappear. If we get, we got to, we're going in lockdown. We got to figure out what's going on. <laughs> and, and we did, we did for the, for the next year, you know, we kind of went into, uh, uh, stable I'll say stabilization period, uh, and figuring out, all right, what can we do? What will we do? How do we generate more income? And, and, you know, you get super creative when that happens. And, um, you know, she came to me with this idea of saying, Hey, we can travel. We will convert our house, our house in Florida to uh, an Airbnb short-term rental. And I really think we can get 400, 450 bucks a night for it. And I'm like, there's no way we can get 450. Where are you getting this information? You know? And, and, um, what I kept, she kept at it, kept at it, kept at it and kept at me. And then we started interviewing a couple of different cleaners and looked like this was about to get real. And, and we're interviewing the cleaners. And I said, Hey, what do you, what do you think we can rent this place for, uh, per night? They're like, probably four, four fifty. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And so right now our rate, we're probably at five, five fifty. you know, and last, last month alone, um, that property generated 14,000 in gross income. You know, I'm like, wow, that's awesome because our carrying cost is 3000. <laughs> you know, so and so, um, it, it, it's, it, if you're not ready for that kind of, and I don't want to call it a sucker punch, but that kind of punch, right. Of hey, your, your security blanket that you've had for 20 years is no longer there anymore. Uh, it'll, it'll push you to get creative. It'll push you to get creative and it'll really challenge you to think, do I have the right people around me to, to be able to survive, not let alone survive, but then thrive. Right. So does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's okay. fantastic how like you were able to already build a portfolio on the side. Yeah. So like you didn't know that was coming, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was not your goal at all um to quit your job that early, but no. It kind of it, it did help help push you into that path that you're already seeking, maybe five five years down the road, but well we at this point sooner. Yeah, we start, you know, that acquisition that went through, we started basically saying, look, we're going to replace our income and we're, we're never going, you know, we're never going to work again. And then, um, four years went by and I transitioned to a new company and that the way, and that company is the one that laid me off. But then when that happened, when I was hired with them, you know, I get introduced to the sales floor. There's like, uh, 20 or 30 people there, the VP of, um, of, of international sales has introduced me as my boss at the time. And he's Jake, introduce yourself, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I said, you know, I kind of told him a little bit about background and he just kind of sits there and stares at me and goes, is that it? Is that all you're going to say? And I was like, I, I don't know. 
Yeah. He goes, all right. And this is, again, this is in front of like a crowd of 20 or 30. He goes, this guy does some really cool stuff on the side about real estate investing. So if, mm. if you're interested in doing that, you need to probably take him to lunch, you know, and, and that was just a 180 from where I came from. You know, it, it was just amazing. So I, I didn't, I started investing to replace my income, but once I changed jobs, I, I mean, it was, it was easy money. It was good money. And, uh, I worked with a lot of really, really cool people. And so, yeah, it was kind of a shock and, and really wasn't planned on, but, um, yeah, that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so at this point you said, yeah, how many doors, um, including the syndication as well? Yeah. We had somewhere between two and 300. Yeah. Two and 300. Okay. And then yeah. that's in the case you said you're an, uh, an LP, you weren't, um, you weren't the general partner on that. One right? general partner on that one. Uh, I have been a general partner on one and, and a joint venture on another. Yep. Okay. Could you walk us through that dynamic? Um, and maybe just for people who don't know what a syndication is, could you just explain, uh, what that is and the yeah. power of it? Yeah. So, uh, basically if you've heard of, uh, the phrase OPM, right. Other people's money, it's a, it's a way to go out and buy an apartment complex, uh, without using all of your money or using other people's money. Right. And you, you really have it broken down into, uh, typically there's general partners and there are limited partners. The general partners are the guys and gals that put the deal together. They put up the security deposit. They put up the EMD. Um, they do the due diligence on the property, and they present it to the limited partners. And the limited partners are basically the folks who have the money, and they invest uh, into the deal if it fits their criteria, right? So the the um, the 42, it was a 42-unit apartment complex. It was probably our fourth or fifth transaction as uh, active investors. And man, we, we put this thing under, uh, it, you know, there's always this question of what comes first, the money or, or the deal. And in this case, the deal came first. We, a, a guy I, I uh, got connected with, um, there was a broker that I was working with and uh, he said, man, he goes, I was telling him what I was looking for, telling him what I was wanting. He goes, he, he said, I want to introduce you to this other guy uh, he and I have talked a few times and when y'all talk, y'all sound like y'all are saying exactly the same thing. I feel like there's, we all need just to get together, you know? So we went and had a couple of beers and talked. And then four months later, uh, his name was Tim. Tim and I got this property under contract and, um, and then we began doing due diligence and raising money and, you know, we, we struggled, we struggled with raising money because it was that crap shoot of, Oh crap, I got a deal under contract. It's going to close. If I don't close it, I'm going to lose, I'm going to be out 10,000 bucks. And, um, who do I know that, who do I know that has money, you know? And so here I fire up the email list. I, I go through every contact I have, tell them what's going on without ever really saying anything to them about us doing real estate investing and say, Hey, here's this deal. You guys want to, you guys want to partner. That went nowhere. Uh, I take that back. We, I got one a guy that I worked with, had been friends with for years. Uh, he he invested in in that deal with us. Uh, he's now invested into the second deal, and he's hit me up. He goes, "Hey, what, I got some money to put to work. Let's let's do it again." And so, um, but the key there is we put we put together this um, 
uh, a package, right? This offering memorandum. And we took it to a couple of guys who were in our uh, RIA, our local RIA, who were known to do apartment syndications. And we said, look, we would love for y'all to, to let us give you your, our pitch, show, show you our, our deal package, and you guys critique us. Right. That was our goal. We wanted to get their feedback and whatnot. And so we went and did that. And by the end of this second conversation, they just approached us and they said, Hey, what do you think about us all partnering together on this? And, uh, I call us, what do you mean? What do we do? And they were cashing out their investors from another, uh, they were exiting another property. And so they had cash coming out that they needed to put to work. Mm-hmm. And they were like, look, We've got experience, but we know you guys want to run this. So why don't y'all be like the boots on the ground? Y'all handle it. And if things go crazy, we'll be your aerial support. We'll come in and we'll just split, you know, the GP side, uh, four ways. Right. And that's the way we did it. And so we, we exited that property. We held on to it for three years. Uh, we had some very patient investors. We did not make a single distribution during those three years that we had it. But here's what we did. So we we uh, we bought it for seven hundred. We put roughly two hundred and fifty thousand dollars into it, and then three years later we sold it for one point eight. So we more than doubled doubled their money. <laughs> wow! More more than doubled their money. Yeah, it was like a hundred annualized hundred percent return. Yeah, syndic- syndication deals are so interesting to me because, like, it's something that you're not really actively running yourself but you're throwing in the money. But at the, at the end of the day, it still holds true to the true real estate principles, I guess. Like you are receiving that passive income uh, yeah. of, through, through rental payments. And and you guys kind of did the bird thing, but at the end, you guys sold it. Um, yeah. Like, so that was one that you were general partner. As a limited partner, how was that experience? Because like in, as a limited partner, you're putting in the money, but you're yeah. not necessarily controlling the asset. Yeah, most most syndication deals and, and offers that I've looked at, you, you know, as a limited partner, you have very limited voting rights, very limited say so in the day to day. Now, if if um, if the if 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 the operating agreement is drawn up correctly, basically what could happen is if all the limited partners or a majority or supermajority of the limited partners came together and said, "Hey, we don't like what you guys as general partners are doing. We're going to eliminate you and bring in some other folks." There's some verbiage around that. I've never seen anybody actually execute that mm-hmm. before uh, in my very limited experience. But um, it is it's definitely different on the limited partnership side. And I'll tell you, you know, this I have a lot of people talk about their investing criteria. And then I have also have partnership criteria. Right. I, I, and one of those things in the partnership criteria is I've really got to know somebody um, before I invest with them or partner with them on a deal. And the two times now, three times that I've been a, a limited partner, um, I invested in the person, right? I knew of the properties. I, one of the, uh, the two that we're in now, uh, one's in Waxahachie, Texas. The other one is in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Um, never been to either one of those cities. Don't even know anything about the market. I, I'm putting full trust in the general partner who I've got a relationship with and present it to me. Now they, they made a great presentation. I firmly believe they can do what they've said they've done that they're going to do. And that's why I invested with them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it is a little bit different. Um, you know, and they, they talk about that being the passive side of investing, but it's, there's always some sort of activity, right? You need to be checking up on, 
what are your general partners doing, right? You need to be asking questions. Hey, what's going on with the property? And don't be afraid to ask questions. Now, if they're afraid to answer or they can't answer them, that's not a good sign. Yeah. That's, that's not a good sign. I don't, yeah, I, w- I would assume that that's not good. Like, yeah, like yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're partnering up with somebody, they should they should be confident in like like the answers that you, they give you or like answering yeah. the questions that you have. And very open with you, right, about what's yeah. going on. And, and you know, the first time we did um, – uh, invested as an LP, it was with a group I'd got to know, uh, but they were raising money for a much larger uh, partnership. And I was like, I, I would love like, all right, I'm going to give you guys, I think it was 50,000 or 25,000, something like that. I was like, because I want to learn, I want to learn how you communicate, what you communicate, how it comes through. And if it, at the end of the day, I don't think I'm going to lose my money. I may not make the returns that you're promising, or not promising, but projecting. I was like, so I may not make that, but at least I'm going to get this education. Right. And so that was, it was eye opening. I was hoping I was going to learn more, but they provided some really good returns. So no, no complaints. (laughs) That's awesome. So like with so many units under your belt and all this experience, um, you wrote a book and uh, I'm interested. How did, uh, how did that come about? What inspired you to do that? Um, and did you feel comfortable? I think, what, what were you, three years into investing or so before you, you wrote that book? No, we were, we were um, that was one of the things that I did after I got laid off. And so mm-hmm. we were, we were six years into investing. Okay. Um, but I, I mean, I graduated college with a 2.7. So no, writing in, in English was, was the downfall there. Um, so writing was very uncomfortable <laughs> and, and the book is centered around, you know, kind of what Paulino, what we were talking about earlier is, is getting that first deal done. Right. Yeah. And because there is so much, uh, I wouldn't say misinformation, but just emotional charge, uh, feelings that come with real estate investing, right. And buying a piece of real estate. And, and I've learned that, you know, uh, there's a particular type of property that I will not buy because I love the way they look. Uh, but they don't, and, and that overrules my logic of underwriting, right? I'm yeah. like, well, I'm just going to stay away from that. I, I don't even need that in my portfolio. Um, and so, uh, the, the book is centered around encouraging folks who are struggling with, uh, paralysis analysis, uh, to drop it. Right. And just start taking these steps. It's basically a parable. It walks you through a married couple going through and, 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 and getting their first property. And, um, uh, at the end of each chapter, there are action items to take to help you get over any paralysis analysis that, that you have. So it's a quick read. It's about, uh, three hours on audible. I did narrate it myself. So if you're looking for some, you know, Alabama redneck, uh, <laughs> um, uh, jargon, then, then check it out. But, uh, it's also available on paperback and uh, on Amazon as well. Nice. What was the name of it? Uh, it's called make an offer. Yeah. That's so sick that you even like wrote a book to begin with, like just to get, and like, like, what was that process? Like, were you like going every day, like sitting down, typing it out? Like, what, what, what was it like the actual process of it? Like, did you yeah. organize jet papers everywhere? Like, what, what, like, what was, what was it like? <laughs> well, I did when I first started out, um, but you know, I learned it was about a year long process. Um, and I did a, a, a mind mapping of kind of what I wanted to sit around and all the kind of the high level stuff. And then, you know, I was into, 
the miracle morning routine at that point in time, I was getting up at like four o'clock in the morning, uh, getting stuff done. And I was still like, I started that when I had the W two, cause that's the only time I really had had to, uh, focus on real estate. Right. And just kind of carried over after I got laid off. I'm like, I'll get up instead of focusing on real estate. Cause I'm going to focus on real estate my entire day. Right. I I'm going to write for about an hour. And the goal there was, you know, I mind map stuff and I'd, I'd put stuff down. And, and then after I got done with my little bitty workout that I do every morning, I haven't done one in quite a while. Uh, <laughs> when I was riding, I would do it. Um, I, I, my goal was, to, I would just look at my mind map that I had stuck up there and I'd take a sticky note off that just kind of caught my attention. Right. And then I would write a thousand words and I'd be done. That was my goal. A thousand words a day. Um, sometimes I'd hit that goal. Sometimes I exceed it. Most of the time I didn't, but at the end of the day I, I had, uh, or at the end of the month, was it? one month or two months that I would do that process. I had about 40,000 words that, uh, I then had to go back and shuffle in chronological order, um, and, and kind of put it together, shipped it off to an editor and she whacked it like almost in half. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, that that's painful. But, uh, but it was a good process. It was a good process to go through. That's awesome. That's, that's, it's like in, inspiring. Like, uh, I couldn't even imagine. I barely, like, I don't read as nearly as much as I should, and I can't even imagine writing a writing a book. Essays in college were horrible for me. Like, I, yeah, like it was always a struggle. I couldn't even fathom. I, I think I, I migrated toward computer science in college because I knew there'd be less English in writing. Yeah, and, uh, I think we can relate to that because me and Phil are both civil engineers. So yeah. like we like we are not t like writing people. I don't think yeah. Phil. I don't know. Like, are you? Would would you say you are? Nope. Yeah, <laughs> worse, yeah, yeah. worse subject. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we're we're very number heavy and very like logical, like not really yeah. creative. Like so, we're trying to like switch out of it and get more into the creative outlets. Um, but yeah, like it's really cool that you were able to do that and switch to that side uh, Thank you. of the brain. But yeah, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So like, so at the uh, we're gonna go to a segment that we always do every episode. At the end of every podcast, me and Phil like to ask three questions to our guests: okay. one personal, one professional, and one random. So I'm going to let Phil okay. go ahead with the first question. Yeah. So for the personal goal is, um, what's a habit or trait you're currently working on? Um, patience. Um, I, <laughs> uh, I, I lose my cool with my kids way too often. And it's, you know, and it's part of, I like to think it's part of the lifestyle that we have, you know, as us traveling around. And so we're, we're in this condo that we're staying this Airbnb, we're going to be here for a month and then we go to the next place. Right. And there's always like that first two days of getting to a new place where we're figuring out, okay, where am I setting up my office? You know, there's no real boundaries. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I'm surprised one of them haven't bust through the door while <laughs> we're recording this, you know? <laughs> But there's, you know, a lot of times we, we stay in, in uh, two bedroom places where it's hard for me to find a place to work. And if they see me, then it's, then it's open season, right? Dad, do this. Dad, will you, will you play with us? Dad, will you? Do... And so I lose my cool quite frequently and, and it bothers me. Uh, it really got to me the other day. We were, <laughs> we were watching a cartoon or a movie or something and um, the parent on the cartoon is just yelling and screaming at the kids for no apparent reason whatsoever. And not one, not two, but all three of my kids turned and looked at me and my oldest said, Hey dad, that's you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's things. So I, I've got to work on that. And it's, um, 
it's it's something I I try to do daily, right? Is is all right. Let's limit ourselves. Let's let's not blow up today. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, me me and Phil are not parents, not yet at least. Uh, so like it's hard to like relate, but I can see that I can see it being tough to to have your own space and 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 be yeah. able, like and do everything at once. But I, I don't know. Like there's something about having kids that's very appealing to me. Like and like it's something that I want to like I want to be able to instill my own values on on younger yeah. people. Like it's yeah. just something and, that I look forward to in life. And the process to get there is pretty fun too. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, for the next uh, question, it's professional. Uh, where do you see yourself professionally in five to ten years? You, I've always struggled with the five to ten year mark. I, I do. I, and, and cause if you, if you say Jay, you know, five years, if you would ask me, Hey, in five years, do you think you'll be traveling the Eastern part of the U S with your family of five? Um, what would you say that? I'm like, well, you're, you're nuts. You're crazy. You know, cause five years ago we, we had, uh, yeah. I mean, just think about that. That's 10 years ago. Holy crap. You know, and so I, I struggle with that. Uh, I, I struggle with those kind of timelines. Um, but I, I will tell you for the next one to three, let's kind of get in that category. Mm-hmm. Our vision uh, professionally continue to grow the W2 capitalist. I think we got a lot of work there to do. Uh, my goal for that whole community is just to help you know, 1 million people. And I know that sounds like a, a good round number and it is, but it, it's, it's like 1% of the U S workforce, right. Uh, or less than 1% of the U S workforce. But if we can help 1 million people build multiple streams of income or achieve financial freedom and then build legacy wealth, then I feel like I've made an impact on the world. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so we're going to continue, continue doing that. Um, in our portfolio wise, you know, this last year of traveling has really opened our eyes on, on what that really could look like, you know, and we've got a couple, we found a couple of places that we absolutely love, um, that we would love to own a home there. And so our current strategy is, um, to find properties that we can do as short-term rentals, but then we're going to live in them during the off season. Right. And so we're looking to, to acquire three to four, probably in the next three to five years, and all along the way, continue to build our portfolio with partners that we love working with, right? I mean, we just made a, a an offer last week on a mobile home park portfolio in South Alabama. Um, and so while that wasn't immediately on the radar, if we can get the owners to uh, come down from cloud nine on what they think their property's worth, mm-hmm. it'll be a great cash flow and asset, right, for us to use as um, – to help us get those short-term rentals. But our, our, our focus is to get multiple uh, vacation homes, so to speak. We've got our Florida beach house right next is the cabin in the woods somewhere. And then uh, after that, I'm not really sure. But that's that's kind of it on the horizon. Nice. Yeah, that's, so that, that's close enough to five to ten year goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the last one is a random question. And uh, the one random question for this interview is, if you could pick one food to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, one food, uh, a Mexican food, hands down. 
It's a good answer. All right. What what kind of Mexican food? I mean, I mean, we're talking about steak fajitas with everything in it. I mean, okay. if, if that's it. I mean, I actually probably, if our budget allowed it, I would probably do that now. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I, I, I can't get enough of some grilled onions and, and tomatoes and steak or chicken or shrimp or whatever's in there. Oh, yeah. Um, there's this little place we were, we were at that we were in um, Wrightsville, North Carolina last month. And if we didn't find the best Mexican restaurant the the two nights before we had to leave, you know what I mean? Like, otherwise, we're like, I was like, how do we find this place? Like, on the last, almost the last night <laughs> yeah. before That's we leave. That's always so disappointing. It <laughs> is. But just talking about it, I can taste those amazing fajitas right now. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So, uh, and if I can remember, I know how to get there. I could drive you there right now, but I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's steak fajita, uh, and it could be nachos. It, it doesn't matter. It, it's, it's, it's all good. Very cool, man. But listen, Jay, uh, it was such a pleasure having you on. We appreciate all the stories you told us. I think whoever gets to listen to this podcast is going to find a lot of value here. So yeah, I appreciate awesome. you coming on and I hope to speak to you again soon. Maybe you can have you on again in the future. I would, I would love to love to. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you very much, man. Me. Take care, man. I appreciate right. you. See you guys. See ya. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like the show, please leave us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button, leave us a comment, and subscribe to our channel. You can also follow us on Instagram at CuriousInvestFI. All this helps support our podcast. Ciao.